Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Man, what's happening, everybody? Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. It's Wednesday morning, and the news of the morning, which we actually already did a live show on, that's over on our YouTube page, Chris Paul likely to return tonight. The national nightmare is over. Chris Paul out for one full month, November the 7th. Was his last ball game? He played the first quarter, left with heel pain, and then was basically questionable for like a whole month. Actually, it was questionable for like two weeks, and then they were finally like, ah, you know, we're just going to let him chill a little bit. And then we had about a week and a half where Chris Paul was getting ruled out a day in advance, and all of a sudden, last, uh, well, not so much last night as it was Tuesday afternoon, kind of late afternoon Tuesday, we got the report that Chris Paul is was upgraded to questionable. And those of you that watch a lot of basketball news and play a lot of fantasy basketball, you guys know when a player gets upgraded, it actually kind of means more than what just the tag suggests it might mean. That is to say, you know, even when a guy goes from being out to being upgraded to doubtful, that actually means quite a bit in terms of whether or not they might play in the ball game. And it's different than when they get downgraded from questionable to doubtful. I don't know why these the the tags work the way they do, but they do. Meaning, if someone gets upgraded from out or doubtful to questionable, that's probably a much higher than 50-50 shot that they're playing. Even though like in a vacuum, if you just said this guy was questionable, typically that's about a 50-50 call. But it's that upgrade. Now, if someone gets downgraded from probable to questionable, it's probably less than a 50-50 shot that they're playing. And if they get downgraded from questionable to doubtful, then it's almost for sure that they're out. If someone's just listed as doubtful, there's there's only really like a 10% chance that they're playing anyway. But if they get upgraded from out to doubtful, it's probably more like a 25% chance. It's really weird the way that the tag has to sort of match up with whether it was a good thing that brought them to that listing or a bad thing that brought them to that listing. Now, for Chris Paul today, it's a good thing. He went from being listed as out to being listed as questionable. And then Chris Haynes reported that he is hoping to make his return. That's the the target. Chris Paul likely back Tonight, we'll go ahead and just kind of open the show with Chris Paul news because we're already talking about it at this point. Uh, And that effectively, what does it mean? Well, prior to going down, Chris Paul played nine fully healthy games and averaged about 10 and 10. He was not shooting well and he wasn't shooting much. It was kind of both. He was making his free throws and his steals were high and his assists were high and everything else sort of lined up. But his shooting was terrible. Chris Paul was shooting 37% from the field and only taking about eight shots per ball game after in, you know, most seasons of his career, he'd been somewhere between 11 and 16 shots a game with Phoenix. 
he'd been typically in that 11 to 13 range, fluctuating a bit based on who was out and who was in around him. But his job was to orchestrate. He tended to take his shots late in ball games. He tended to take them at areas on the floor he was very comfortable. Uh, so those that, you know, elbow mid-range kind of stuff. But he just wasn't making them. And then he just sort of stopped bothering. I do wonder, and I don't know that we'll ever have the answer to this, whether Chris Paul's heel was causing him to take fewer shots per ball game because the assists were still there, but you know maybe the bounce wasn't quite the same, you know elevation on the shot, all that kind of stuff. If your foot hurts, it's going to impact what you're able to do when you're cruising around on a basketball court. So if fully healthy now, if we see, I'm going to say vintage Chris Paul, because yeah, obviously he gets a little bit older, and you have to take that into consideration with everything that you're doing. But 37% from the field, if that goes up into the high 40s the way it has been for, you know, effectively his entire career outside of the seasons in Houston where they were like, Chris, you got to shoot all three pointers now. Every other year for him has been like 46, 47, 48, 49, or 50. Only in Houston. And actually one of his seasons in Houston, he shot 46% with all of those extra three pointers. The next year he had all that hamstring stuff and he shot 42%. But that felt like more of a one-off because it was just, he wasn't comfortable. He didn't, he didn't feel like he belonged anymore. And they were mask- asking him to do a bunch of things that he wasn't really, that wasn't the way he played basketball. Phoenix has never asked him to do that. So this weird drop in field goal percent feels fairly artificial and fixable. Chris Paul right now, because remember he was like around 50 ranked when he got hurt. Per game, he's actually gone up a full round because a lot of other players have leveled off and cooled off and fallen back behind him. Some of those guys might actually move back in front of CP3. We'll see, I guess. But a lot of those guys that were in front of him have moved behind. Just the the great leveling, you know, limited sample size kind of stuff. So for CP3, if you take what he's doing right now and you just extract, you just sort of like bend the numbers back in the direction of his career marks... Let's say he doesn't take 11, 12 shots a game this year. Let's say it's more like 10. What does that mean for him? Well, not all that much because his value wasn't tied up in scoring. The field goal percent being a small positive. Yeah, obviously, if he took like 22 shots a game, that would be a really good thing. But the difference between 11, 10 and 11 shots per game for someone who's like slightly sub-average in scoring numbers and ever so slightly above average in field goal percent it doesn't change things all that much. So then, look back at last year. Use last year as a barometer for CP3. Last year, he was at 14.7 points, 10.8 assists, 49% from the field, 84, actually kind of low at the free throw line, which, by the way, is again back up this season, and he was number 19 on a per-game basis. It's pretty reasonable, I think, to expect Chris Paul to get back into the 20s as that field goal percent corrects itself. So, even if he loses a little on the scoring side, if we also say, hey, look, his free throw percent, which was sort of anomalously, not a word I don't think, low last year, 87% in his career is at 83.5 last season, and he's basically been at 90 almost every year for a decade, if that comes back up towards 90, that easily covers the drop-off in scoring if he's only taking 10 shots instead of 11 or 12. Easily. Now, 90% foul shooter, that's now a pretty good size positive. 83% foul shooter, as he was last year, was really only a very small positive. 
And again, you can look at this stuff when you view him through the lens of like year over year. The previous season, he was like a top 20 free throw impact guy, even when he wasn't taking all that many. He actually got to the line more the following season. If you adjust him back up in that department, yeah, I mean, that's a much bigger deal. I'd say even a larger deal, perhaps, than the scoring being lower. From an injury standpoint, do I have any concerns on Chris Paul? Yeah, I mean, I'd be an idiot if I didn't say I wasn't a little bit concerned because it didn't feel like there was any, like, magical leap forward that he took here. What actually changed for CP3 between last ball game and this one? We haven't, like, seen him doing more things on the court. We haven't seen this, like, clearing a hurdle. It feels, unfortunately, I wish I didn't say this was the case, it feels in my gut like this is something that could creep back up on Paul. I I hope to the good Lord that my gut is wrong on this one. But heel soreness, there was never, like, there was never an upgrade of the designation of what was going on with him. We never found out that there was a, a tendon strain or a, a partial tear or whatever would cost a guy a month of basketball. It was soreness the whole time. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Soreness. I don't like that. I wish, I'm, I'm sure there was more to it and they're just not telling us, but I want to know what it was. Because then we can make a better assessment of whether this is something we should worry about going forward. Because right now, as it stands, with us only being told that it's soreness, I'm a little worried. Why wouldn't soreness come back? I have a sore back. It's the sciatica. I got a sore back. It comes and goes on a daily basis based on probably how long I'm sitting in this dumb chair doing shows and other fantasy-related stuff. I need to get up. I need to walk walk around. Why wouldn't that come back for CP3 if he just landed funny on his heel one game? Is that something I really want to worry about the rest of the year? Well, I don't have a huge choice. Um, You guys will be surprised to know that I don't have as many Chris Pauls on my fantasy teams this year as you might expect. Only in one or two spots, actually. I targeted him in quite a few drafts because he was falling near 40. And then I got into my drafts, and sure enough, everybody was like, oh, Dan's going to take him at you know, 27, and he was, he was gone by 30 in every one of them. So he didn't fall to me in nearly as many places as I had expected he would. Regardless, I'm still excited about this because Chris Paul 
even in what was effectively so far this year, kind of a worst case scenario, he was still able to get to per game wise, at least his ADP. So uh, if I can try to bury some of those worries down deep, which I don't, you know, I don't know that I necessarily can do so, uh, but there's there's very few places to go but up here for CP3. Now, you know, I like I guess it's a little easier to visualize again. I don't want to spend too much time on it because we're not in the middle of draft season right now. But you know, this is the reason that we target guys like CP3, the guys where the worst case scenario, again, barring catastrophic injury and you know some of this one, I guess you could call this sort of like a semi-catastrophic because it cost a month. But barring the real like miss half a season or more kind of injury, we're targeting guys that per game-wise, in bad scenarios, still get to their ADP. And so it's just all gravy beyond that. In a worst-case per-game situation, Chris Paul, if as healthy as the NBA in general, would have still hit his ADP. Now we're going to need a little bit more. We need him to beat that per game marker because he's missed a bunch of games and he will likely miss additional ones going the rest of the way. But damn it, I can't contain my enthusiasm. He's back. Campaign can be flung to the waiver wire because dude was a top 130 play even in his streaming time anyway. Uh, and he was playing 16 minutes a game when Chris Paul was healthy before, which is not even remotely close to enough. That's the big news of the day. And now we can actually kind of officially start the podcast crazy we didn't even really do that i know I, I i welcomed you to the show but i didn't really set the stage here so let's do that now this of course is fantasy nba today a sports ethos presentation i am once again dan bespris at dan bespris on twitter d-a-n-b-e-s-b-r-i-s d-a-n-b-e-s-b-r-i-s please do follow me over there for a number of reasons reason number one we are recruiting at Sports Ethos, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, DFS, or full-season fantasy. If you think you've got what it takes, hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris or email roster at sportsethos.com. Reason number two to follow me on social media, I can point you guys to all the stuff that's going on throughout the day that we simply can't cover on a once-a-day podcast. We do a lot, a lot of social media stuff over there, and I would humbly ask that you join us for it uh let's see do we have a reason number three do we even really need a reason number three nah two's enough reason number three is not even twitter related actually reason number three is i just need you guys to check out our buddies over at manscaped.com promo code there is ethos 20 to get 20 percent off and free shipping on the single best male grooming products on the planet they could actually be used on anybody it doesn't have to be male grooming i know that's their target audience but like we talked about, nail clipper, my wife uses it all the time. All the time. She loves this damn shears, they call it. Uh, I think the Lawnmower 3.0 remains the best damn thing that I've ever used. And uh, you can go get that for 20% off and free shipping with promo code ETHOS20. Uh, I would also say give a follow to Ethos Fantasy BK if you want your fantasy news feed to be sourced with analysis. I have some slight beef. And I don't want to like start a fight or anything. But I don't like uh, that Underdog doesn't cite their sources. I know they're the fastest, but you can always be the fastest if all you're doing is basically cutting and pasting from beat writers. 
You know, like that's an aggregator and that's fine. That all works, but they should be citing where they get the news from. So then their followers can then follow the person that broke the news. Don't you think? I don't know. Maybe I'm old fashioned like that. It's great to get it quickly, but it just seems like they're sort of missing one step. I don't know. Ah, well, uh, ethos fantasy BK is where we got our stuff. Yeah. It'll take a minute or two longer because you can find out who broke the news you can find out analysis, fantasy analysis from it, and that's the place that you get to go do that good stuff. Uh, I would also let you guys know to follow us on YouTube. It's youtube.com slash sportsethos. We've been doing a lot more stuff over there, including a Chris Paul breaking news show from earlier today. So that's kind of cool. We haven't done those before. We'll uh, try to do more of those as, uh, as the year rolls along, just uh, trying to get more stuff out into the world. Do more things. Make more stuff. See what happens. Let's take a look at the box scores from today. Uh, or from last night, I guess I should say. Not today. We'll take a look at them today, but the scores are from yesterday. Detroit beat Miami on the road 116-96. to 96. Uh, We knew the Heat were resting some folks on the back-to-back. and like, But I, I think they figured they could just win this game with their eyes closed. And they didn't. And so the Heat have a few... Weird little things they got to figure out. Because they're 11 and 14 so far this year. They've been particularly awful on the road where they're 3 and 9. This was actually a home loss to a team that's basically tanking. Although, you know, in Detroit's defense, they do have seven wins on the year. And this was something I said back in August. I thought the tanking teams would just be, like, slightly better this season. That they'd be, you know, 25 win teams instead of 20. And... So far, a lot of that is actually kind of bearing itself out. Uh, from a fantasy standpoint, what does it mean? Well, they're trying to uh, they're trying to give Jimmy Butler rest days, and that's what this was. It was the second half of a back-to-back, so they let him sit, and it blew up in their face. And for the Heat now, they got to find a way to rattle off some wins because at the moment, they're not in the playoffs. They're a half game back of the Wizards' for the last play-in tournament spot. I don't know if that means they're going to have to run Jimmy Butler a little harder, and that's not great for him later in this season, or maybe they can find a way to get some wins here in the near term. As it stands right now, I don't think they're going to muck up whatever this plan is, which is, I think, give Butler the day off on back-to-backs. When that happens, we have a call to make. I thought Struess and Caleb Martin had a chance to be decent streamers yesterday. Only Struess came through with a better streaming, and I think for next time, maybe that's the way we lean as well. As far as Detroit goes, uh, I, I mean, I have a little bit of a Detroit-related rant. Um, all right, screw it. Let's do it. Detroit is littered with fantasy players that have huge holes in their game. In fact, every damn player on this team has big fantasy gaps. Boyan Bogdanovich typically doesn't get any defensive stats or pass. Now, this year, he's been able to do so much scoring-wise at 52% from the field and 88% at the free-throw line that he's covered up the fact that he doesn't do anything else. 21 points, 2.5 three-pointers, great percentages on pretty decent volume. That's covered up the fact that he's way sub-average in rebounding for a power forward. He doesn't pass. He doesn't get steals. He doesn't get blocks. And his turnovers are actually kind of weirdly high this season, although that's usually better. Luckily, he's been so good, or so good enough, in the four categories where he's a positive, that it's been able to counterweight the negatives. 
But he's the only one. He's literally the only one on this team. Cade is out for the year, but he was actually struggling a fair amount before that anyway. Uh, yes, I mean, would Cade have been a, a fantasy-relevant player? Absolutely. Uh, but even he was number 116 prior to going down with his injury. The second-highest-ranked player on the Pistons on the year is Marvin Bagley at number 94, and that's with Bagley still shooting 56% from the field and 82% at the free-throw line, numbers that we know damn well aren't going to hold up. Because even when guys fix things, they don't fix them by that much. And they certainly don't do both at the same time. Bagley is a career 50-percenter. And, yeah, you know, he had an 18-game stretch with Detroit at the end of last year where he actually shot 56%, so maybe playing some more center has helped him in that regard. But 56 is probably coming down, and he's a career 67% foul shooter, so 82% there is probably coming down. And in his career, he's been more like a half a steal, half a block guy. Right now, he's at one and a half combined instead of one combined. All of these things for Bagley are likely to come down as things settle in. Because he hasn't had, he's had three weeks of play instead of the six it often takes for the great leveling to take place. So I think that within the next three weeks, there might be only one Detroit player inside the top 90. There might be only one Detroit player inside the top 110, frankly. Of all of the other guys on the team, the one that has the best shot to get in there isn't Bagley, it's Isaiah Stewart. Because he's, you know, slightly fixing the field goal percent away from being inside of the top 100. And he's playing minutes, and without Cade around, everybody gets an extra shot or two per game, and that should be enough for him to be a 9-cat, 12-teamer. Bagley, I don't know. I just don't know. I know it's only 24 minutes, so, like, you could say, well, what if he plays 27, 28 on a nightly basis? I don't know that he necessarily will. I don't know that he's necessarily good enough for that. Almost all of these guys. This includes Killian Hayes. This includes Jaden Ivey. All of these guys. This includes Sadiq Bey. They're points league targets. We don't talk that much about points league stuff on the podcast, but this is one of those times where we can because Boyan Bogdanovich does enough to be a nine-cat guy. Although, I mean, yeah, I mean, because his percentages are so good. He's, he's a guy you consider more of a nine-cat tilting player. The rest of these guys, now Bagley right now is more 9-cat than points because his percentages are good and they're liable to turn back into a combined negative. Everybody else is sort of a combined negative. Sadiq Bey, good foul shooter, horrible field goal percent guy. Killian Hayes, decent foul shooter, doesn't take enemy, terrible field goal guy. Jaden Ivey, bad in both. Jalen Duran, good in field goal, terrible in free throw. The list goes on and on. It's all of them. They're all points league guys, except Boyan. And so if someone was like, Dan, do you need to roster any other Pistons besides Boyan Bogdanovich? I'd be like, yeah, probably Isaiah Stewart. And that's likely as far as I go. Now, with the caveat, I understand why you might want to sit on Jaden Ivey because his issues are in those traditional rookie spots, field goal, free throw, turnover. Those can improve for him as the season goes on. So if you want to squat on that, I'm okay with it. Just like, See if you can counterweight some of his bad stuff with, you know, maybe you're punting one of the percentages and or turnovers that makes him a much more palatable player because he's at 16, 5, and 4 with a steal 
and one and a half three pointers, and you know you figure he gets better as the year goes on. These other guys are not going to get better as the year goes on, at least not markedly so. You know this is what Sadiq Bay is: a bad shooter, decent foul shooter who mostly just scores and like doesn't even have as much opportunity as years past right now because Detroit is screwing with lineups. Isaiah Stewart could get a little bit better if we see his field goal percent tick up or maybe the free throw percent ticks up a tiny bit. Maybe you just get lucky and they both do regardless. He's close enough where it makes sense. And we know he's probably going to pass Marvin Bagley as there's ships passing in the night as Marvin kind of peels off. Head-to-head, you could make an argument for a guy like Bagley and just hope that over the course of a week he's okay or you catch him on the week where the field goal and free throw numbers are better. You could make an argument head-to-head for a lot of these guys and just hope that you don't get them on the bad weeks. But Roto, you guys know that's what we often talk about here. If you're you're thinking, when I say Roto, I don't mean just like strategically. I just mean like, is this someone that you want to deploy on your team for a long stretch? I think the answer is generally no for all of those guys except probably Stewart. I'm sorry. I don't know why I had to, like, pick on the Pistons fantasy players right now, but they've been bad fantasy-wise. They're a bad fantasy team. Except Boyan. Uh, Lakers lost in Cleveland. Anthony Davis left after eight minutes. You could see he wasn't feeling well. We're uh, happy, I guess, that it wasn't an actual injury. So presumably he'll be back in the next game or two. They play again tonight. I'd, Based on how crummy he looked, I'd be a little surprised if he was good enough to go today, but, you know, who knows. If he cannot go, get your Thomas Bryants fired up. Lonnie Walker looked like maybe he was playing through something also. We know he's had that sore foot, and he just didn't look good. Austin Reeves also looked a little, I don't know, bashful in this one. But, I get, you know, Cleveland plays good defense, so that can be a part of it. And then on the Cavs side, you know, the Lakers had this plan in place of funneling people to Anthony Davis And then when he went out, they started funneling people to Thomas Bryant, and poor Thomas Bryant was just getting cooked on defense. And then poor Damian Jones was going to get cooked on defense too because those guys can't do what AD can do. Not that Davis was going to be able to hang with Donovan Mitchell, but he would make those shots more complicated for Donovan Mitchell to cover some of the passing lanes that these dump-offs to Jared Allen. It just became too easy when those two guys were running plays together. The news, of course, fantasy-wise, is that with Jared Allen back and then hammer-dunking all over the Lakers, uh, you can go ahead and drop Kevin Love, who uh, left this game partway anyway with some kind of kind of undisclosed injury, but he was stinking regardless, and so you can kind of move on from that. Dallas beat Denver, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the stories in this ballgame we kind of already knew. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. has 30 three-pointers in his last five games, 30 Guys, that's ridiculous. 33-pointers in his last five games. He's going to cool off at some point. We know this to be true. You know, no one's going to hit five three-pointers a game. That isn't Steph Curry. But he's really settled in nicely alongside Luka, floor spacing alongside Luka. It just forces defenses to be a little bit more respectful. Not only that, Hardaway can actually put it on the ground and drive a little bit. He took uh, 12 free throws. Some of that was stretch time stuff. But he gets to the foul line in a way that Reggie Bullock, who can also spread the floor, but just doesn't have the offensive ability that Hardaway Jr. has. So it it just opens up things a little bit more. Now, Luka had a terrible shooting game and a uh, truckload of turnovers. He added 
triple double as it all you know turned out in the end um and you know it, it like it worked they won uh but overall this wasn't one of Luca's best ball games Christian Wood uh he was he played a much more calm and collected game here that's what they're looking for from him and then Dorian Finney-Smith finally woke up and had a decent ball game but you know the story with Finney-Smith and Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleba and Josh Green these guys don't do it consistently enough to be on a roster outside of when they have a really good schedule, which actually was kind of the case this week because they went the first two days. That's pretty great. When you want to start your week with with guys going back-to-back Monday, Tuesday, it just kind of gives your team that like little head-to-head kick in the pants to fire the week up. But now you can basically move on because I think they're off for two days now. Yeah, Mavs don't play again until Friday. Yeah, I said Friday. Yeah, they're not on today, they're not on tomorrow, they're back on on Friday. Uh, so, yeah, you can you can punt on any of those fringe guys, but not Tim Hardaway Jr. And, you know, this is kind of an amazing thing, because I thought I was pretty skeptical of Hardaway, uh, but it turns out I was way less skeptical than the average bear, because uh, I ended up with Tim Hardaway Jr. in, like, almost every single league I'm in, somehow. And I waited him for, for him to do it twice, I thought for sure he'd get picked up after that game where he had five threes. The game where they moved him into the starting lineup against the Warriors. He had five three-pointers, went for 22. People didn't add him after that one. And I get it, because he'd been pretty terrible most of the season prior to that point. But then halfway through the game against Detroit, he was lighting it up, and I just added him everywhere, and he's just been rolling ever since. What I am worried about with Hardaway is whether he keeps the starting job even when his shot cools off. He's in there now because he's knocking everything down. Do they rotate a different body in when he inevitably hits the cold spell that balances this thing out? And it's going to come. It's going to come because he's like a top 20 player the last week and a half because he's shooting 53%. That's just not going to stick. We know enough about Tim Hardaway. You know, he's going to level off near low 40s. Yeah, I mean, playing alongside Luka is going to help that uh, some, but it doesn't last forever. That's the nature of the beast. Over on the Denver side, Bones. 30 minutes out of Bones. Now, expectation tempering here. Jamal Murray would have played more than 30 minutes if he wasn't in foul trouble. He ended up with five fouls and just had one of those off games. Jamal went two for 11 shooting. He's fine. Uh, But that gave Bones a little more wiggle room. Here's my beef with Bones Highland. He doesn't play every ball game. And when I say doesn't play every ballgame, I don't mean, like, gets sick and then misses the game. He came back from an illness, played 22 minutes, and then 5 minutes, and then 30. It does feel to me a bit like the 5-minute anomaly is not something that's going to happen regularly. That most of the time, he's going to be more in the 22 to 24-minute range. And when he's on the floor, he is going to be chucking like he will never see another basketball court as long as he lives. He treats every ball game like it's his last from an I better get mine standpoint. And that's cool, like that's what you want from a fantasy standpoint, but also if it's not going well, you can understand why Michael Malone might take him and cast him off into the deepest, darkest corners of the locker room. I think Bones makes more sense on the head-to-head side because you can sort of look at like a two-week body of work and say, all right, like, I can eliminate this five-minute game because the rest of them were fine. But on the Roto side, that five-minute game, that's that counts against your numbers the whole damn year. 
That's a games cap that you just blew on a zero. Games cap was 820, but with that bones game, your games cap was 819. That's tough. I know it's a small percentage of the overall stuff, but it is, it's important. So I would say add Bones in head-to-head. I don't, like, I don't have the confidence to know when to deploy him on the Roto side. How can you know? What game do you drop him into? I'd love to drop him into blowouts. That's where he goes really nuts. But this game wasn't a blowout, and he had, he had excellent numbers. KCP played a little bit better here. Um, some of it was just shooting the ball better. I think he, again, profiles more as like a head-to-head schedule streamer type of guy. Uh, and Bruce Brown was having a really quiet game, and then down the stretch, I think he scored five points, had two rebounds and an assist. And it was like this fantastic three-minute stretch for Bruce that turned a meh streamer game into a, oh, nice, streamer game. And you can just keep rolling him out there as long as Michael Porter Jr. or really any of the Denver starters is out. Bruce Brown continues to be useful. When that team is at full strength, I feel pretty confident that Bruce Brown can go back to the waiver wire. Uh, and that was the three-game recap from yesterday. Again, we got a what to watch for that's going on on Twitter right now. I like to call it the, the Wednesday storylines. Uh, by the way, AD and LeBron will sit the back-to-back, so the Lakers are punting this one. And that actually kind of wants us to, to roll back around to the Lakers and what you should do. And that is where I will tell everybody to head on over to Twitter. At Dan Bespris, I'll be telling you guys what to do with no AD and no LeBron. Uh, and we'll just sort of, again, approach the night as news rolls out. I want to take all that stuff over to social media because, uh, you know, I think we can make adjustments a little easier there than saying, oh, this is like plant our flag in something on a podcast, and then it could change 25 minutes later. That's, that's to me, is why it's harder to do it and why the, the two pieces go together, the podcast, the video cast, whatever you want to call it, and the Twitter, the social media element. They are two... It's like the yin and the yang of fantasy basketball. So with that, I'll send you guys over to that social media side. Once again, thank you, everybody, for rating and reviewing the podcast. Thank you guys for reaching out uh, for the recruiting process. Thank you for all of our interactions. Thank you for taking your questions over to the forums. Once again, that link is sportsethos.com slash community. I check all of those threads, and I will definitely... uh, find whatever you guys are posting over there once again that is completely free have a delightful big wednesday we got lots of stuff to do over on social so we'll talk to you that on that side of things tomorrow uh i think we'll have a very special guest on the show so uh, stay tuned for that that should be a lot of fun uh, until then so long everybody i'm dan vespers for fantasy nba today later Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.